So why don't we just jump in today? I've already said it, but let me say it again. That word, anxiety. Now that, that word carries a lot of meaning for a lot of us, doesn't it? Just the word, anxiety, when I, when I say that word. For some of us, it's the thing that happens when we've got too much going on and there's lots of stuff being thrown at us and we get a little overwhelmed for a moment and, and then we're okay. It fades pretty quickly. And for some of us in this room, I know it's, it's maybe, if not the, maybe the biggest battle in your lives. For some of you sitting in this room right now, when I just say we're going to talk about anxiety today, at least in part, what does that give some people? Anxiety, right? Like it gives some people anxiety. And the fact that I'm saying that God's going to tell us, not just tell us to not be anxious today, but command us not to be anxious today is quite literally a source of anxiety, maybe frustration, maybe even pain, maybe even anger for some of you. And I just want to say this before we get going. Listen, I get that. We get that. And I want you to hear this right from the start. I want you to try to center your heart on this. Today is not a day where God is going to tell you that you're not good at all. It's not a day where he's going to say, hey, listen, you need to fix your problems. That is not what today is about. Today is a day where God is going to richly pour out his goodness and his promises on you. Because in the end, that's what God's commands are. They're not even trying to tell you what to do. It's they're trying to pour out his richness and goodness on you. And so whatever you want to say the word anxiety, whatever baggage we bring into that, we all have baggage around that word. Whatever baggage you bring in today, whatever that, that brings up in you, I want you to man, try to clear your mind. Try to meditate on the word. Try to hear what God says all the way through today. And, and see if there's places that, that God really can transform our hearts and our minds to be more like a son of Jesus Christ. Now, I think for a lot of us, I mean, you've probably heard me say this before, but I think a lot of us almost wish that God gave us a blueprint on how to live life. But do A, and then B, and then C, and your marriage is going to work out, your kids are going to be healthy, you're going to succeed at your job, you're going you're to have peace, you're going to have all these things, right? We wish God worked that way. In fact, people right now are flocking to churches where pastors are basically saying, if you follow these seven steps, then you'll have this thing. But does God typically work that way? He gives us guidance, and he gives us commands, and he absolutely says, do these things and don't do these things. But in the end, he's guiding us, and the rest of it, we need to follow him faithfully. Just follow, even when we don't understand, follow him faithfully, logically also, but also faithfully into what he's commanding us to do and trusting him in that. That being said, fired up over here. He's fired up for this talk about anxiety, and I'm fired up, right? Um, today, God is going to give us the blueprint for about as close to a blueprint as he ever gives, he ever gives us. It's about as close as we ever get to a blueprint than today. So if you ever struggle with fear, if you ever struggle with anxiety, if you ever struggle with too much stress, if you ever feel overwhelmed, meaning who? Every person in this room, just know God has something to teach us something today. As I said last week, this passage that we're going to read today has been one of the most important passages of my life. I don't want to, like, favorite passage, I don't know, but one of the most important. It's been a passage that's been on repeat in my mind and repeat in my heart thousands, I would say thousands of times. I talked about it this morning with Tori and Nathan and Matt in the back, the worship team in the back. I would have brought it up if it wasn't even going to be the passage that we're going to be in today. Like on days where I, you know, some days I come in and right before I come up to preach, I get this feeling of anxiety, right? I've done this 500 times or more now, right? 
But some days, like, there's a lot of weight carrying, standing up here proclaiming the truth. No, God's going to hold me accountable for what I said up front. And there's a lot of weight that comes with that, right? I don't really get super nervous anymore. Sometimes I get that feeling of anxiety, anxiousness. And you know what? I, I pray this passage, sitting right there next to my wife. No, I don't, I don't need to be anxious because of the promises that we're going to talk about today. That's what this passage is. One of those passages to walk into your heart and mind. Now, if you haven't been with us, we've been walking through the letter of Philippians. It's one of the books of the Bible. And we call it a letter because it was written by the, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was, if, if you don't know him, he was a Jewish leader that, that followed all the Jewish traditions. And then Jesus Christ himself came to Paul and said, no, follow me. So this Jew, Paul, started planting churches in the Gentile area, non-Jewish areas. And Philippi, the Philippian church that we're talking, the letter we're reading today, is one of the churches that he started. And so now Paul is in Rome for his faith. And is writing this letter to this church that he started. And he's talked about a lot of things. But overall, what we've seen is Flip, the church in Philippi is a pretty healthy church. Things are going pretty well. They bring Paul so much joy because they're faithful. But even though that's true, even though it's pretty healthy, there's lots of problems. And just real quickly, some of the problems they've been dealing with is things like they're in a very, very Roman patriotic city. And their ultimate allegiance is not to Rome, it's not to the emperor, it's to Jesus Christ. And so there's persecution that has come because their allegiance isn't to Rome first. There's persecution from false teachers, false teachers that are coming in and not only leading people astray, but persecuting people for not following every single Jewish tradition, even though these people aren't Jews, they're, they're Gentiles, they're non-Jewish people. And so they're being persecuted. Amongst that false teaching, they're leading people astray and people have been leading the church, which is incredibly painful. They've had people leaving the church to go back to their own sin, becoming enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. So people who they, they thought were the followers of Christ but had left. Their friends, people they love, have left and gone back to their old life, their old sin. And in our context of what we've been talking about the last few weeks, they have, there, there seems to be a pretty serious division in the church between two leaders, two women in the church that have served the gospel, have served together, absolutely love Jesus. Paul says, I know your names are written in the book of life, which means I know that you're, you're believed, you've done amazing things, but now they can't agree. And basically from Philippians 1 all the way through Philippians 4, Paul's been talking about be of one heart, one mind, be unified, make Jesus primary, not all these secondary things primary. And so last week he started kind of, Paul, God, through the Apostle Paul, kind of started walking us through what do you do when situations like this come up. And for some of us, it would have been kind of shocking. The first thing he said that we need to do when difficult things happen, in particular in this context, division in the church, is rejoice. You were here, rejoice, have joy. Look at the things in Christ that make you happy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That we're to look at the joy he has, to look at God and who he is and what he's done and worship him and be thankful to him and rejoice in him. That's where we start. Things aren't going the way that we think they should go. And then he said, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And if you were here, that Greek word reasonableness carried a lot of weight. It was a very full world word. Because when I say be reasonable, there's a certain context we bring in, but with this word reasonable in the Greek, it really meant to, to be gentle, to be kind, to be understanding, to be tolerant of your differences of opinions with other people. The differences that aren't rooted in who Jesus Christ is. We can be united in heart and soul and mind because Jesus Christ is primary. Everything else is Secondary. So he's like, be reasonable, be kind, be gentle. And so that's kind of where we finish last week. Keep Jesus Christ at the forefront. Right? As Christ humbled himself to the point of death on the cross, not looking just to his own interest, but the interest of others, do the same. Do the same. So that was last week. But as I said last week, God is far from done. We're walking through, we're going through different. 
is how we walk through them. And so today, in one of the most encouraging and most challenging passages, in my opinion, in this letter, God is going to give us exactly what we need to walk out of anxiety and into the exact opposite of anxiety. So this week, God's going to get really practical. This is a very practical passage. And I, I think I've made clear, in my opinion, one of the most life-shaping passages in the New Testament. That's my opinion. But I think it's one of the most life-shaping passages in the New Testament other than just the gospel. So that's what we're going to start with today. So, in Philippians 4, our, past, our, our couple verses for today are, are 6 and 7. But I want to start in Philippians 4, verse 4. And kind of read through the whole passage so we can have in this. So in Philippians 4, verse 4, read through these paragraphs. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And here's our passage for this week. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when I looked up this word anxiety in the Greek language, it could be defined as heaviness or as sorrow. Or in other places in Scripture, this word is translated a troubled spirit. Right, you read through the New Testament, you see it talks about how I don't have a troubled spirit. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Anxiety is made it's just a troubled spirit. And, and like we said, this, this church, the church in Philippi, is going through a lot. It's not surprising that some of them are anxious. We don't have to be surprised or act like just having the feeling of anxiousness is, some, is somehow weird or somehow simple. Just having a feeling of anxious, anxiousness is understandable. And listen, we're, we're talking about the problems that are going on in the church. We're, Sometimes we just think about this as ancient history, but this is a real church. So not only are there things outside affecting their church that's making it difficult for them, but they also have personal lives, right? They have lives that things are going on in their own personal lives. Maybe they have kids that are going through things or whatever else, and they have the anxieties of real life, and they also are like us. There's just things in their life that they don't fully understand. Sometimes we just get anxious and we don't understand it, right? Well, they're the same way. So this church has got a lot going on. They've got a lot of reasons to be anxious. And 2,000 years later, anxiety works in the same way. Sometimes the source of our anxiety is obvious, isn't it? Maybe our schedules are way too full. Maybe we're just way too busy, way too much, more than we can get going up, we can get done. Maybe we're, we're bearing too much responsibility. Maybe there's really hard things going on in our family or amongst our friends or something else. A lot of times our anxiety in the end is kind of rooted in a foundation of sin, sin that we're not dealing with, sin that we're not reconciling with God, we're not repenting of it, we're not talking about it, we're burying it. Man, listen, there's all kinds of things that lead us to have fear, to worry, to be anxious. But here's the tricky thing about anxiety. Sometimes those, the source of those feelings is kind of hidden. Right? It's just unclear and it's, it's subtle. Maybe it's past traumas. Maybe it's these deep-seated fears that we, we don't even talk about, we try not to think about, we try to avoid. Or maybe for a lot of us, I think some of this is rooted in these negative thoughts that are constantly rolling around in our brains on repeat. And we cannot, we can't seem to get these negative thoughts out of our brain. And so they end up kind of consuming us. So whether the reasons are, are obvious or whether they're more subtle, and I want to use this word, insidious, I want you to listen to what God is saying you today. I want us to, to really process what he is commanding. Again, set aside all of the stuff we bring in with the word anxiety. Let's just try to hear from the Lord what he's commanding us. What he is saying is, do not be anxious about anything. 
Hear me, I know this is easy for you to say, but let's hear what God has to say. Do not be anxious about anything. That word is so important. Not about anything. There's no exceptions in this passage. Don't be anxious about anything. Again, I know that for some of you saying that, like, that just makes you anxious. For some of you, that almost might even make you angry or frustrated. Like, come on. You don't understand my anxiety. You don't understand what I go through. Listen, I, all that's true. All that's true. But, but, but I want us to hear from God before we start going, rain all that in, rain the negative thoughts, rain the negative feelings in. Let's just hear from God all the way through the passage. And then we'll deal in our life groups and discipleship and everything else. We can, we can walk in this together. We can deal with this, right? But let's see what God is saying. Now, I want us to really see how God is approaching this command. Because so often this is how God approaches his command. Before we get that, can we, I just want to make sure we're looking at anxiety rightly. Let's look at anxiety for what it is. Here's, here's what anxiety is. And I don't mean this like that quick feeling of anxiety. right? I mean that anxiety that sticks with us and won't go away. Here's what, here's what anxiety is. A lie. It is a lie. It's a terrible, insidious lie. Like, think about this. If our enemy, when I say our enemy, I mean Satan. If our enemy was going to design something to distract us, to hurt us, to hold us back, to keep us from community, to keep us from other people, to keep us from being thankful, to keep us from using our gifts well for the sake of his kingdom and for each other, to keep us from growing, to keep us from using our minds effectively. Could he have designed something more effective and powerful than the overwhelming feeling, and I mean feeling, of anxiety? So before we move on, let's just see it for what it is so that we can fight it rightly. Anxiety is a lie. And I'm talking about the anxiety that you can't let go of, right? Not, again, not the feeling. I'm not saying that feeling sinful or evil. Everyone feels the feeling of anxiety in a moment, right? But that, that anxiety that we cannot let go from, that tries to overwhelm us, it is from our enemy. It is evil. I'm not saying you're, you're evil, but that, that is evil. I'm not saying you feel anxiety and anxiety something tries to overwhelm you that you don't love God. This is why God's addressing it here. What I am saying is we need to recognize it for what it is so that we can fight it effectively. You think of it, some, so often we think of it as this like emotional and physical response because anxiety can be very physical. Listen, it is those things. It is spiritual. Anxiety that we cannot let go of is a spiritual battle. Don't believe the world or whatever someone's trying to tell you. It is the enemy attacking you. It is your own desires, your own heart, your own mind attacking you. Let's see it for what it is. Let's attack this thing, not just emotionally and physically in all those ways, but also let's attack it spiritually. Because it is a spiritual battle. So that's that's Satan's way of doing things. Let's look at God's way of doing things. Let's look at God's response to this. He says, don't be anxious about anything but in what? Everything. You better pay attention to what comes after that. He says, he contrasts those two things. Don't do this ever. But always do this. Always. Right? So by the power of the Holy Spirit, what God is about to tell us to do is he's about to tell us to change how our minds work. I told you this passage all the way through this week and next week and last week is about our minds. It's about the renewing of our minds. It's about God trying to help us to walk through this in a way that is beneficial to us. Because if our minds are set in the right place, our minds are renewed, our minds are set on the right things, our hearts and our emotions absolutely will follow. They go together, right? They'll follow. So God's trying to help us to walk. So every time, 
Hear me. Every time, in every single situation, we're supposed to respond to anxiety in a very specific way. I told you, this is about as close to a blueprint as we're ever going to get in Scripture. God is trying to build a foundation here that will change our hearts and minds. I love how the prophet Jeremiah talks about this. In Jeremiah 17, 7 through 9, you can mark that if you want. I'm going to read it to you. In Jeremiah 17, 7 through 9, this is so good. It says this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. And the reason I love that phrase is he recognizes that God is trust. That God in who he is, is worth trusting. So it's not that he's just trusting the Lord. He realizes that God is trust. Keep going. Whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water. It sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes, for its leaves remain green. And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it doesn't cease to bear fruit. The roots are in the right place. And then after that, look, look what's said. This is, this is how good our God is. He recognizes how hard this is. Right after that, in verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Ever feel that way? Ever feel that Here's, here's what this is saying. God wants to build such, such deep roots in you. Roots fed by him. Look, God is our living water. Roots fed by him that when even the hardest times come, when even the most challenging times come, anxiety won't win. But you will stand strong because your roots are deep in the living rock water. And not only will you stand strong, but you'll still bear fruit for the kingdom of God. You'll still be active. Anxiety's trying to overwhelm you. No, you can still bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And what I love about the next part is that God understands us. I also love how God is recognizing how deceitful our own hearts are. How deceitful our feelings can be. How sometimes it's so hard to understand why we do what we do. It's so hard to understand why we feel the way that we feel. Sometimes even why we feel it's just not clear. It's hard to understand. Here, here's, here's what I want you to be encouraged by today. God obviously understands this. He's putting these things here because he, get it. he gets it, and that he is with us, and that he is for us, and he's giving us this command because he loves us. He's not here saying, you aren't good enough. He's saying, look, come to me. I'll give you the opportunity to have your roots go so deep that even when the hardest things come, you're going to be okay. You're even going to bear fruit because your roots are built in me. He's giving us the opportunity for our roots to go even deeper in Christ. Okay, so all that being said, what is God trying to tell us about how we this anxiety that tries to overwhelm us. Read verse 6 one more time. Philippians 4, verse 6. Memorize this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with what? Prayer. Now, is that a huge surprise in the room? That one of the first things we're supposed to come to when we're anxious is prayer. But let me ask you, when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling stressed, when you're feeling worried, when you're feeling anxious, is the first thing, the first thought in your brain, I need to stop right now and pray. This is why I'm saying that anxiety is just a lie. Because a lot of times when we feel anxious, the last thing we want to do is pray, right? God feels so far away. It feels like such a distant thing for us to do for so many of us. Am, am, am I right? It's really hard to pray when we're anxious. But, like, God is trying to transform our mind. The absolute first thing we should do when that starts to well up inside of us, 
feeling of anxiety is not a sin, right? But you feel, start to feel anxious, start to feel overwhelmed. We pray. We pray. And not only do we pray, we're praying in a way that is drawing us into the truth and into the presence of God. That's what we need. We're going to spend a lot of time in this passage I'm about to mention in our series on prayer. If you weren't with us last week, we're going to launch the year with a series on prayer. I can't wait for it. But one of the passages we're going to spend a lot of time in is in Matthew 6. Turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is back at the beginning of the New Testament, so the left, left in your Bibles. What's going on in Matthew 6? This is Jesus. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the most famous <coughs> sermons. And during that sermon, Jesus teaches us how to pray. Now, there's something really important you need to know about about this passage. A lot of people pray this prayer over and over and over. Jesus literally makes the point, don't pray the same things over and over and over and over on repeat. Right? Cry out to your Father like it's a relationship. This is an example to follow. But sometimes when I don't know what to pray, when my heart is just not aligned, I feel like I'm not aligned with the Lord, I don't want to pray, I don't feel it. You know what I pray? I pray this. Some, you know what I'm that you just don't have it? I, just, I don't know what to do. It's okay to just pray this prayer, right? But Christ is leading us as our example of how to cry out to our Heavenly Father. So, Matthew 6, verse 9. Call for the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verse 9. This is Jesus teaching. It says this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as our sins. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But deliver us from evil. Now, there's just a, we spent a lot of time on that, and we will. But I just want to look at a couple things today. One, with this example that Christ leads for us, our prayers should always, listen, always start with God. Father in heaven, hallowed. You know what that means? Hallowed means to make a much of to give glory, to recognize the awesomeness of God and rejoice. Right? Our prayers when we are feeling anxious shouldn't start with us. It's like we're the problem when we're getting overwhelmed by our anxious, right? Like we can't get out of it. We can't seem to get free of it, right? We don't start with us and what we need to do in our prayers or even talking to God. Like let's start with God. Let's think about how powerful God is, how awesome God is, what God has promised, what God has done, what God is doing. We'll be over, then we're pointing ourselves to the power of God in us, not the power of us to try to change, right? And so listen, we want to start with God. And it says, your kingdom come. You know the kingdom comes to earth? You know the kingdom of God came to earth? Through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is how the kingdom of God comes to earth. So we cry out to Christ. So that we might walk in the will of God. So we might know what God wants from us. So we recognize God for who he is, for what he's done, for what he's promising. We recognize who Christ is and that his kingdom will come. And ask the Holy Spirit to transform us and be with us and to guide us. And then what does it say? Pray for your daily needs. Absolutely tell God what you need. Absolutely cry out to him. I'm not saying don't do it. Absolutely. All over scripture is telling us to go to God and ask. Ask God. Ask God again and again. Just don't start with you. Start in recognition of who God is. And that will set your prayers right. That will set your prayers right. Pour out your heart to him. Talk to him. Listen Talk to God like he's an actual loving father. I know for some of you that didn't have a loving father, that's difficult. 
But I think at least we can picture what our loving Father should be, a Father that's there for us no matter what, that will guide us, even discipline us if necessary, but always out of love, always because he cares. You aren't alone in this. You have a loving Father who wants, like, listen, we're going to see this later, very clearly, wants to help you, wants to protect you, wants to guide you because he loves you. And then also what it says in that prayer that process, we confess. We confess when we're not trusting the Lord who is worth trusting. We confess, we confess when we're making it about ourselves and not about him. Listen, God is there. He is waiting to forgive you. He's waiting to pour out his grace on you. Come. That's, this is what prayer is about. Prayer is about recognizing who God is. It's about recognizing our just deepest need for him. And it's about having a deep and confident relationship with the creator of the world who did everything so that you could come to him in that confidence. Christ died on the cross so that you would go from guilty to not guilty so that you could approach the Father with absolute confidence because we are covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. His holiness is in us and for us. So we come confidently and we talk to our Father in heaven about everything, about anything. And when it comes to anxiety, it's the first thing we do. Not think about why am I so anxious? Why do I feel? Why... Why do I do this to myself? Why like all the negative thoughts that you run to your father and our holiness? So that's the first step in our fight against anxiety again. Being here, we'll dive way deeper into prayer and what that means. But in any in anything and everything, we come to the Father in prayer. And the second, second thing he tells us is, is like it. In prayer and supplication. Supplication means to plead. It can also mean an urgent, immediate request. So it's prayer, but it's it's prayer that is, I would say it's like persistent desperation. Like you are drowning, and you cannot get up out of the water, and you need air, and you need God to come and pull you up out of the water so that you can take a breath, which is exactly what God wants to do with you. Just look at the story of Peter, right? God wants to do this, pull you up out of the water. But he also wants to come like almost in desperation and pleading and consistently. I love the story of the persistent widow, right, in the Gospels. She comes to the king because she felt like there was an injustice done to her, right? And she comes to the king, and he's like, no, 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 he pushes her off. And she comes again, and he pushes her off. And he comes again, and he pushes her off. And that keeps happening over and over and over. The king is not listening to this woman. He won't let her come before him. He won't answer her request. And then finally, the king's like, okay, you've been here enough. Fine. Here, you get your request. It's granted. And the point of that story is if this evil king... But grants the request of this woman because of her persistence. How much more does a loving father want to grant your request? This is how we pray, church. We come again and again and again and again. And as we come again and again and as we plead, God is drawing us closer and closer to his heart. We start letting go of the things in our heart that we think we need, and God starts drawing us closer to his heart. Sometimes when we, what, what we ask for is right on, and sometimes we are way off. But as we plead, as we meditate, as we talk, as we pray the promises of Scripture, God draws us into his will, into what his kingdom is, and he points us in the right direction. This is how Jesus prayed. In Hebrews 5, 7, it says this. In the days of his flesh, meaning when he was on earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. With loud cries and tears, to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard with his reverence. Hebrews five seven. Now, for those of you that know this story, we know that Jesus prayed like that in the Garden of Gethsemane, right, right before he went to the cross. He cried out to the Father, sweat, blood, and tears. 
knowing he was about to go to the Father. But like this, this seems more than that. The way that this talks about it, this was a pattern of Jesus' life. Not only did Jesus get away to talk to the Father, but he came to the Father with prayers and supplications. Because here's the reality. Jesus and the Father were one. Jesus knew the will of God, yet Jesus was still tempted. Jesus still felt overwhelmed at times by all the things that were going on. Jesus still felt the feeling of anxiety. He felt that in the Garden of Gethsemane. But how did he respond? He came to the Father with prayer and supplication, sometimes with tears, sometimes crying out loud, Father, be with me. And Father answered that prayer because Jesus was perfectly faithful. And now his perfect faithfulness rests with us. So we cry out in pleas. We cry out in tears. We cry out in supplications to the Father. As I've said three or four times already, listen, anxiety in itself isn't a sin. But I do want you to think of it as a temptation. It's, it's a temptation. Because if we allow it to stick with us, if we allow it to rule over us, it becomes an idol in our life. And it's absolutely sinful. We give anxiety a power that it was never meant to have. We give it a rule over our life that it was never meant to have. And then we just start thinking of ourselves, listen, I'm just an anxious person. That's just who I am. Lie! Are some people have a bigger propensity to anxiety? Yes, I'm not saying that's not true. Are there such things as chemical imbalances? Yes, that's true. But it's not who you are. It's something that you deal with. Right, so let's start, stop operating in the way our society tells us who we are now and the way that we feel. All of it's just a lie. Anxiety is not a part of God's original plan. Wholeness is a part of God's original plan. So fight it as if Jesus can make you whole. That's what this passage is really about. don't give it more influence over us than God. And so often we give it more power over us than our Heavenly Father. Listen, through the example of Christ, through the words of Paul, God is showing us our way out of this. And it starts with prayer. All the time. Every time. Listen, can, can we get this in our heart? Am I, can you write this down? Can you write it on your arm so whenever you feel anxious? Every time. Every time. Every single time you feel anxious, cry out to God. That's your answer. You want a blueprint? We're almost at the blueprint stage. Cry out to God. And at first it's going to be hard. Prayer's not easy. As we say all the time, what in this life that is worth it is easy. Good things are hard. We have to work for good things. And this might be really hard at first. We do it again and again. Trusting the Lord more than you trust your feelings. Every time, prayer and supplication. And then what's next? My prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Listen, Paul knows the, the, the problems confronting the Philippian church. One of the reasons he's writing this letter, and this is conjecture on my part, right? So this is not Bible. Just making a clear line of distinction. I bet Paul's even a little bit frustrated. I know he's heartbroken, but I bet he's frustrated. Like there's serious division in the church. He knows these women really well. He's like, you partner with me in the gospel. I bet he's thinking, like, come on. Come on. Like, stop making secondary things primary. Be united in Christ. Come on. I know it's heart, it's heartbreaking to him too, but I bet he's frustrated. But there's times he's even had to fight back being angry about it. Again, I don't know that that's true, but he is a human. But do you remember how Paul starts this letter? Turn back over to Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse 3. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership with the gospel from this day until now. 
Paul starts off this letter with all the reasons that he is thankful for this church, for this family, for this people. How much joy he has in what God has done in them, what God has done through them. As, as Philippians 4 4 has told us to do, even though there's difficult things happening in the church, he is rejoicing in the Lord always. Again, he is rejoicing. That's what Paul is doing when he thinks about them. He's rejoicing. He's thanking the Lord for all that has happened in them and through them. Another way we can say that negatively is he's not letting all the negative things define these people or define this church. Paul is not allowing his mind, his negative thoughts, to be primary in his heart towards God, towards his people, towards his church. Because I think you all know this. Ten awesome things can happen in a day. Ten. And one awful thing happens in a day. And for the next three days, all you're going to think about is that bad thing. Rolling around in your mind again and again. The things you should have said. The things you should have did. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. I can't believe that person. I can't believe what they did. I can't believe it. Ten awesome things. One negative thing. And we're going to focus on the negative thing. Is that not true? That's true for almost all of us in the world. Listen, we have to fight that. This is, this is about God conforming, transforming your mind to be more like Christ. We have to fight that all the time. Actively fighting negative thoughts, actively fighting that way of thinking all the time. Thankfulness is an incredibly powerful weapon in this fight. Listen, thankfulness, thankfulness is giving glory to God. When we live in thankfulness for who God is, man, that gives God glory. God doesn't want a bunch of people begrudgingly following around because we have to, because he commanded to. No, he wants us to rejoice in how good he is. Even in this command, God is telling us all the way that he loves us and supporting us so that we can follow his command. We should just follow it. But God knows that we can't follow it, and he loves us, so he's giving us all this other stuff so that we can actually follow his command. God is good. He loves us. Let's be thankful. Because listen, without thankfulness, our prayers can just become complete. And by the way, like a way to get things off our chest, probably not to handle that. You read the Psalms? Sometimes it just sounds like David's just complaining to God. God can handle it. So if all you've got on a particular day is crying out to God and anger and frustration and desperation, well then you just give it to you give God what you got because God is your father and God can handle it. God can handle it. But that's not what throws us. It might get us through a day. And some days that's enough, right? Some days that's enough. But it doesn't grow us. It doesn't transform us. It doesn't set us free. Right now. I'll have us just talk about the first Thessalonians chapter 5. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians. Go right in your Bible to be just a couple books. Just a couple books. 1 Thessalonians 5. Ever said, I want to know the will of God? Well, here you go. I'm going to tell you exactly what the will of God is. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. And this is, by the way, this is Paul talking about another church, the church in Thessalonica. By another church in Plano. Verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with the men. See that no one repays evil, repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and everyone. Is that not basically what we talked about next week? Rejoice at all times. And then be reasonable, be patient, be kind, be loving to all people around you. Remember this verse 16 is really where we're at. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the 
God in Christ Jesus for you. Does that sound familiar? It's not exactly what he's saying for you. How often have you wondered, man, I wish God would just tell me his will. That's his will. Rejoice. Be joyful. Be happy. Think of who God is and how he loves us and all the things he's done and is doing and promises to do. Be thankful for promises like this. Rejoice in those things. This is how we walk in the will of God. This is who God wants us to be. Have you ever said, man, I just wish I knew the will of God? This is it. Man, this is not telling you exactly who you should marry. I get that's the kind of like will we want God to tell. Exactly what job, job you take. This is how God works. You rejoice. And you come to me in prayer all day. And you think, listen, I'm going to point you to exactly where you go. Do I, do I take this job or that job? Are you doing this? Are, are you walking in this? Then it doesn't matter what job you take. Because you're being faithful. You're being faithful to the will of God. Just do what you want to do. Because you're being faithful to God. This is God's will. Thankfulness is not just God's will for you. Listen, thankfulness is an absolute game changer for a Christian. Really, for anyone. Because God designed us all the same way. But a major part of hallowing God's name, of giving God glory, is pouring out your heart and mind and thankfulness for who He is. We'll talk about this much more next week. Because it's going to get into our, the way our minds operate next week. But thankfulness means it must be a part of the It must be a part of how you start your day. Stop grabbing your phone right in the window. And start thinking about, when I say thankfulness, I don't mean just thanking God for your kids and for your house for your Absolutely do that. I'm not willing to go thank you all. I think, but I thank God for my wife and my children all the time. They are the absolute best of ever been yours. They're amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thank God for those, those things all the time. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but I thank God for those things all the time. But what this is really, thank God for those things. But what this is really talking about is thanking God for Him. For He loves us in the way that He loves us. And thinking about those things. Starting your mind thinking about the positive things, not all the negative things. And I'm going to guess within about three minutes on your phone in the morning, you're going to find seven negative things. You start scrolling through social media, you're going to find the negative thing. Even if there's 12 positive things on social media, you'll see the one negative thing, and it's like, oh, I can't believe it. You're done. Is that really how we want to start our days? What if we started every day with thankfulness? I want you to take this serious. Like, this is not just your pastor saying, oh, yeah, no, put, back, put down your phone. No, I know that you know I'm right. Scripture is backing me up, but I know that you know that I'm right. That if you start your day not on your phone, but praying and talking about how thankful you are about all that he is, all that he's done, all that he continues to do, how much he loves you, it would change your morning. And not every single day, exceptions to that, right? We just have days when we're way, way off. We need it, we still need it on that day. Now this is a game, absolute game changer. This is how we fight anxiety. This is how we fight worry and fear and negative thoughts and all those things that roll around in our brain. Thankfulness is an absolutely powerful tool against our enemy, against sin, and against our negative thoughts that try to own us. This is, like I said before, this is a battle for your mind. That's what this is talking about. Will you take this battle seriously? Will you think of it as a spiritual battle? Not just something that you feel. Anxiety is a feeling. This is true. And it's a powerful feeling. I get it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to belittle it at all, like the way that you feel. I know, man. We walk through so many people, just the deepest kinds of anxiety, and we love them, and it's, it's devastating. But it's a lie. And this is true. So, don't be anxious about anything, like everything. Like prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. That's the next part. 
offer your requests to God. You know this word request in the original language that this was written in Greek can be translated as demand. Make your demands be known to God. Now, we've got other scripture to help us out in the original do not make demands of God. But what this word, this word is used purposely. You know what it absolutely does mean? It means a bold, confident ask. Boldness before God. Right? We are to confidently, boldly ask God. Why? Because he literally tells us to ask that way. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. That's a powerful, powerful verse. Now, some of you might say, well, yeah, um, if I pray in God's will, he can answer my prayer, right? But I don't always know God's will. Well, I get that. But one, he just told us what his will is in 1 Thessalonians 5, didn't he? So we pray that way. We pray that way every day with supplications and prayer. We come in rejoicing all the time, praying all the time in thankfulness. Right? And that draws us into God's will. That's how we follow God's will, even in prayer. But more importantly, praying in everything, praying urgently, praying desperately, pleading, praying with thanksgiving, quite literally draws us into the presence of God. It draws us into who God is, into that relationship with God. And that relationship with God will guide us into the will of God. We make our urgent needs known to God again and again and again and again. And we believe in our hearts that God listens and he understands and he cares and he absolutely does it. Hey parents, how many of you say yes to every request that you If you do, you're a terrible parent. <laughs> right. Can I say that? Is that too, is that too bold? If you always say, have you, ever, have you ever been around a kid whose parent always says yes? Total nightmare. Right? Total nightmare. That's just the truth. Nightmare. Right? We say no because we love our kids. We say maybe because we're frustrated or because we love our kids. We say not now because we love our kids. And as much as we possibly as much as we possibly can, we say yes, because we love our kids. I want to get to keep my kids' desires in their heart, unless the desires of their heart are stupid. And I want to protect them. And I'm stupid sometimes, but I don't have a dad following me around. They got a dad following me around saying, I don't call you stupid. I don't know about that one. Oh, I still have the one to tell a story about that. But sometimes, it's like, I don't care. Thank you for that. But anyway, I'm not going to do it. I'm not embarrassing, but God answers, and sometimes he answers no because he loves it. But as we bring that request to him again and again and again, even if the answer continues to be no, if we're following God in his will the way that he's called us to come to him, over time it will slowly transform our heart and give us a different one. A different one. A different want. And it'll bring us closer to his will. It'll show us why he's telling us no. And then we'll realize this is what I should have been praying for the whole time. And the answer will you need. Go. I'm behind you. And you'll confidently run because you know God's behind you. You know you're walking in his will. That is an awesome place to be. That's how I felt about planting this church. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed and it was just like, yes, go. Confident. Go. And listen, here's the beautiful thing about how good your God is. 
Why don't you think about how good he is? Even when his answer is no. Even when we're praying the wrong thing. Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Like in our groanings, he's interceding. Praying for us the right things. So the Holy Spirit is with us, pointing us, guiding us in the right direction. So our hearts will be drawn into what the right thing is. So even when we're absolutely wrong, God's there saying, I got you. I'm interceding for you. I'm with you. You keep coming. You keep coming. I've got the right prayer for you. I'm going to get you there. You just keep coming, and you're going to learn the way. God is amazing. I think about this all the time. God just gives us commands, and our answer should just be yes because he's God. But he gives us commands and then gives us a hundred ways that we can follow that command because he loves us so much. God, I want to be faithful, but help me be faithful. That sounds like the wrong prayer. That is the right prayer. God, I can't follow your commands. Help me. I should just follow his commands. But God wants us to pray like that. That's crazy. That's crazy. He's so, so good to us. He's so good to us. He's so faithful to us. Take your request with boldness. All right. This is not even the best part. It feels like the best part. It does to me. This is not even the best part. Okay, good. I got a little time left. This is the last section. It's not going to take very long. What's the best part? The best part is God is giving us the opposite of anxiety to pursue Him like this. And the opposite of this is not the absence of anxiety. The opposite of this is not normalcy. It's one of the best things that God ever gives. Look at verse 7 one more time. Philippians 4. Isaiah talks about this. And another promise in Isaiah 26, 34, he says this. He's talking to God. You keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace whose mind stays on you. Because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. And the Lord God is everlasting. Will you trust your feelings that sometimes change seconds? Change hour to hour? Change day to day? Philippians 4 9 is going to tell us next week. He is the God of peace. This is who God is. 
Or as Christ said to us in John 14, 27. In John 14, 27, said this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. That's anxious. Neither let them be afraid. First, the opposite of the fracturing, debilitating, lying, insidious feeling of anxiety is not moments. It's peace. It, or another way of saying that, it's Christ. Christ is the opposite of anxiety. For this peace is more than just feeling good. It's more than just feeling better. It's more than getting by. It's more than being okay. It's a whole life fillness. This is word shalom, right? From the old Testament, this world shalom. Whole life peace. Whole life fullness. And this comes from Christ. And what's beautiful about this too, and especially in our context, is this, this peace, this whole life shalom, this whole life peace that's talking about here is not just for you, but it's a peace that extends to your community, to others around you. Which is very relevant to the Philippian church that we've been talking about that's dealing with divisions and disagreements. Right? It's a wholeness. It's a fullness from Christ internally and externally. That's why God tells us to be people of peace, seeking to live peaceably with all, so this peace might extend to those who even don't know Jesus Christ, that they might experience his grace through the blessing of the peace that is in us and that radiates from us. But it's even more than that. It's better than that. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. I, I want you to understand something, church. This peace, this peace from Christ and in Christ that's talking about here, here is a miracle. This is what God's promising you here. A miracle. This is supernatural. This is not normal. This is beyond reasoning. This is beyond comprehension. This is beyond logic. Your, your anxiety sometimes feels almost supernatural. It is bigger. It is more than this. This is God promising you something that is heavenly, that is divine, that is something more than you could ever come across yourself. It is more, listen, this, this peace comes from the Holy Spirit, and it is more powerful than your anxiety. It just is. It just is. And I know that anxiety is not simple, and I know that it's complicated, and I know that it's, diff it's difficult, and I know it's not solved a lot of times in the day, but you want, I want you to hear something. Christ is more. He is. He is more, for he's promising you. He's more. For those of you that are that just talking about anxiety, gives you anxiety, for those of you that hear God's command and start sending you over to the bad place, are you hearing why God is giving you this command? That why he's commanding you to come to him in everything? Not only so that you might have peace, which is more than that. Not only so that you might have a supernatural, heavenly, divine peace reigning over your life in Christ. But so that Christ might guard your mind and heart. Christ wants to guard you. As we've been talking about, listen, your mind is a minefield. It's waiting to explode. Negativity and bad thoughts and hurts and resentments and past suffering and, and all the other kinds of like, things. All that, really, a lot of the trash that just tries to rule over us. But Christ longs to protect you. And that's beautiful. Christ wants to stand guard over you. He wants to help. Listen, I've given you a man, and I'm going to stand guard over you. I'm going to watch over you all the time so that you actually walk over you. Are you thinking about how amazing that is? Like how good that is? How that's the opposite of how basically every other god and every other religion has ever worked throughout the history of all religions. I'm not claiming I know everything about all religions, but it doesn't work this way. The difference between Christianity and basically every other faith is grace. 
And this is the, the, the measurable graces of Jesus Christ pouring out of us. Here's the command, follow it, but here's everything you need to do with apply to that guardian and everything you have in peace with Jesus. He's standing guard over you so that he might set you free from the tool of our enemy. And the, just the dangers of your own deceitful heart. Christ knows. He understands. <clears throat> he is not saying be better. He was saying, he's saying, son, daughter, I've got you. Stop trying to do this alone. I've got you. Come to me. Let me bless you. Let, let, let me protect you. Let me guide you. Let me help you. I am here. I died so that I could pour out my goodness and riches of grace on you. Will you come? This is God saying, come. Look how much grace I'm showing you. Come. Stop trying to do it alone. Come. I've got you. I'll guard you. I'll protect you. I'll give you everything you need. Come. I died so that you could come. So come. The phrase in Christ is used eight times in just these four chapters. And it's used again here. So that's our ultimate answer to it. We, we accomplish these things not by trying to help us, but in Christ. Listen, there is For the believers in the room, there is more Christ in the there is more Christ in you than you are. There is more Christ in you than your strength. There is more Christ in you than all the anxiety you have ever had and will ever have. Because Christ is more. He is more. Can we just believe that? Just know one thing. Christ is more. He's more than all of it. That is true. Everything else you feel is a lie when it comes to anxiety. This is true. This is what we stand on. This is what we fight with. And hear me again, I'm not saying this is easy. It's not easy. And I'm not saying it's simple. This is not simple. What I am saying is that God has given you a commitment and making you incredible promises and giving you his own strength and peace so that you might follow his commitment. Patterns of life are hard to break, especially patterns that have been rooted for a long time. Deep-seated feelings are hard to let go of. And deeply rooted lies are hard to break. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you can make your urgent, even desperate request be known to God. And if you do, God has promised you something. That the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's true. Church, that is more real than That church is what the king of the universe can and will do. And what's beautiful about this is it's not done yet. We still got a passage for next week. This isn't done. A lot of times people just stop at verse 7. Like, like next week is the cap on this whole thing. Come back next week. God has got more for you, more good news, more help, more guidance in the battle against our own flesh and our own feelings and anxiety. But until next week, until then. For our good and for his will.